Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Welcome to Hard Currency, the Financial Times podcast on the foreign exchange market. I'm Roger Blitz, and we enter the short holiday period, reflecting on the end of the first quarter, a quarter dominated by the words VIX and Powell, inflation, dollar weakness, policy normalisation, career, and a few beginning with T, tariffs, trade war, transition, and Tillerson. In actual fact, I've forgotten the big one, which is Trump. So what have we learnt from the first quarter to guide us through the next three months? With me is Silvia D'Angelo, Senior Economist at Hermes Investment management. Sylvia, welcome. What are your takeaways from the first quarter of 2018? So at the end of last year, uh, looking at 2018, we had a fairly constructive uh, outlook. Uh, So we saw uh, decent data, uh, strong surveys, and in general, dynamics were supportive of a continuation uh, of the global synchronized upswing that had started um, at the beginning of 2017. Uh, However, we also recognised that there was a big risk in the picture, and that was protectionism. Uh, And we came up with this story of a year of two halves, where the first half is dominated by the positive fundamental picture, and the second half would be more dominated by uh, trade tensions and anxieties surrounding protectionism. But it's happening now, isn't it? Uh, Yes, it's it's happening a bit earlier than we expected. But I would say that our story is still on track uh, because there's still a lot of uncertainty about the actual outcome uh, of this interaction between the US and China. Uh, It will take some time for uh, the Trump administration to define uh, tariffs. And more importantly, negotiations between the US and China are still ongoing. And we might see a positive outcome uh, where China gives some concessions in terms of access to uh, its domestic Mm -hmm. markets, and I'm thinking especially about financial services, and the US um, only uh, puts some symbolic uh, tariffs, mainly targeting uh, its domestic audience ahead of the midterm elections. So it's going to be messy, then, this trade issue, and it's going to be not not the clarity that we had in January when the markets were euphoric. It's going to be a very, very sticky the second quarter, which actually may make the the second half um, just as uncomfortable, I suppose, for markets. Um, that said, I think that in the second quarter, these kind of negotiations might happen in the background and the market might have an opportunity window to really focus on still positive fundamentals. Um, we might get like some positive earnings um, on Q1. Uh, there are not so many political um, deadlines Mm -hmm. uh, like we had in Q1. Um, And so uh, Q2 might be like a good opportunity for equities uh, and might provide some stabilization. Of course, the story is different for the second half. Okay, but let's look at some of the factors that were dominating the the first quarter. Inflation was was, was in our minds all the time. Have we learned anything about the pattern of inflation? Are we getting any closer to these targets? Or is it still going to plod along as you know at, at these kind of levels? 
So in Q1, we had a couple of speed bumps, yeah. I would say. Yeah. The main one was really inflation. So we had a couple of strong inflation number after the US on wages and also yes. to some extent on February CPI. February the 4th, that big day when yeah. suddenly... January, wage inflation oh. surging yes. close to 3%. And that actually led to the equity correction, didn't it? Yes, that yeah. triggered the equity correction. Yes. Of course, there was probably um, some stretch valuations out yes. there. Uh, market participants were probably well aware uh, of uh, a bit of a overstretch in yes. inequities. And so this wage number was probably just a trigger for some underlying uh, disconnections in a way. Uh, and then, of course, uh, all those uh, readings were reversed the following month, confirming a view, which is also my view, that in general, inflationary pressures are contained. They are building up, but very gradually. Right. And of course, uh, monetary policy is also responding gradually. Well, that's my next question, which is central banks. You know, what what do we learn about them? Obviously, Powell arrived, um, and he seems to um, have played the Janet Yellen playbook to perfection. Um, but I suppose more attention has been focused on the Bank of Japan and the European Central Bank, and whether they are moving closer towards normalising policy, or at least taking away the, the, the taking the foot off the pedal of uh, quantitative easing. What do you think they, as they enter the second quarter, where do you think they stand? So going back to your previous question, I think that the second potential speed bump could have been Powell. And actually, during his first okay. testimony, yes. he sounded somewhat hawkish, suggesting that he might mark a new phase for the Fed. Instead, uh, during his first appearance as chair at the March Fed meeting, uh, it was, I mean, completely continuity. Yes. Uh, so basically, same theme of Yellen, gradualism, and uh, adherence to the same monetary policy framework. And I think that the market got it. So as you say, the, the targets probably right now are the ECB and the Bank of Japan. The FX market in particular has already put some pressure on these central banks. And they have, I would say, forcefully pushed back. So the Bank of Japan made clear that they are sticking to their ill con curve control policy as long as inflation is below their 2% target. And similarly, in uh, recent occasions, Draghi has sounded quite dovish, uh, suggesting that the war has not been won yet. Inflation is still running well below their target. They're not seeing a convincing upward trend in inflation and monetary policy support is so, still needed. So is this a reason for the dollar bears to um, think again? They were the ones who, uh, who did extremely well out of January. And people have been talking about the continuation of dollar weakness through 2018. But if the ECB and the BOJ are going to be dovish and going to slow down and and not push the, uh, the the button towards policy normalization. Does that mean that we've slightly lost sight of the fact that policy divergence is going to be the key strong theme of this? After all, the Fed is going to carry on raising rates. Who else is? Well, we've already seen some stabilization in, F in FX market in the last couple of months, sure. I would say, after the big dollar sell-off in, mm. in January. However, I think that the dollar fundamentals are still quite weak and that monetary policy is part of the reason. As we discussed, monetary policies are still divergent at the moment. But the effects market always tends to look forward. And so I think it will continue to anticipate uh, some kind of convergence down the road. 
Uh, it's that phrase down so, the road that, that makes me slightly... <laughs> down the road could be any time between, you know, next month or in three years' time. I mean, that's quite a long way down the road, isn't it? Well, um, the thing is that, well, DCB has already started to withdraw some support yes. very gradually, yes. very slowly. And I think that the process will continue. And I think that the Bank of Japan might also look at the issue next year. So it's not like a short-term story. But typically, FX markets tend to uh, front-run this kind okay. of event. Um, we, we talked about the euphoria of January. We, we also need to talk about this kind of synchronised global growth that actually has been connected to the euphoria of, of, of equities. And there is talk of, of whether it's plateaued, whether we've actually, whether we're coming off it, uh, whether we've slightly over, over overplayed it. What's your view? Has it passed as, as quickly as, it, it's, as it's arrived, this uh, synchronised global growth story? Well, I think... As, as I said earlier, that fundamentals are still quite positive uh, and that growth is likely to continue in the short term. But it's true that we have probably plateaued, so growth has probably stabilised. So but already it doesn't matter that much, you're saying? I think that the, the, the general uh, background is still supporting, so it's not like we'll see a, a slowdown, but we'll probably see like a stabilisation. Yes. I just, I just want to ask you about Trump in general. You obviously referred in some detail about the trade issue. In broad terms, though, the market seems to be as worried about Trump as it always has been. I always thought the market would eventually come around to being quite phlegmatic about Trump and, you know, not treating everything he does with, with such seriousness. But it seems to be he, he's, his ability to surprise and alarm is, is unending. The change in the cabinet, the, but in some ways, the, the positive side of the, the North Korea talks what what do you th- has he got the is there still a lot of political risk out there related to trump that the markets are concerned about well i think the market has had like an ambiguous attitude to ah, trump great word great word yes so after the election there were some concerns but they were quickly but they quickly disappeared uh, as the market focused on the positive aspects of trump's program so the tax cut and the tax reform, which he eventually delivered. He also delivered some fiscal stimulus on top with the budget deal in February. But the problem is that Trump is now moving, having exhausted all the positive side of his agenda, is now moving to protectionism, uh, which was always part of uh, his program. But for some reason, the market preferred to ignore it, at least initially. And, well, I had the impression that the market became kind of complacent uh, with respect to Trump. Uh, and again, I'm probably obsessed with it, but if this trade situation, trade tariff situation mm. escalates and uh, we start to see some uh, impact on, on the economy, then, of course, the market attitude to, to Trump will change again. OK. Just finally, uh, Sylvia, the one currency which has quietly gone about its business, rising steadily in a background of improved political stability, uh, reasonably good economic performance, is sterling. Um, <laughs> is, is, is sterling the, the quiet climber in the forex story? Is it, is it, gen, is it going to have a, a surprisingly good year? Uh, or is it too soon to say? Uh, I think it's too soon no. to say. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, um, first of all, I think that the strength in sterling was more of a dollar story. Yes. So it was more about dollar weakness, dollar weakness. rather than uh, sterling strength. 
And uh, second, I think that we are not out of the wood yet. Uh, so uh, it's unlikely that we'll get a transition deal. But of course, nothing is agreed until everything is agreed. So there's still some way to go to get there. Yeah. And more fundamentally, even if we get a transition deal, it's like kicking the can down the road and there's still like huge uncertainty surrounding the terms that will finally uh, regulate uh, trade between the UK and the EU once Brexit really happens yeah. in 2021. You see, it's like the weather, Sylvia. We're trying to see the upside <laughs> in everything. I have to say, I'm quite positive on the UK in the short term. So I think that the currency should be pretty much stable, let's say, for for the next quarter. And uh, we might see uh, a bit better growth, especially because uh, of the improvement in real incomes, because of slightly stronger wage inflation, and especially... Uh, lower consumer inflation. But that said, down the road, the risks are still quite high. <laughs> I was just about to say an excellent upbeat note to end on, but you just stole it away from me. My thanks to Sylvia Dallangelo uh, of Hermes. So that's all from Hard Currency. Join us again next week, a week likely to be dominated by the US payrolls data. Until then, a happy Easter and Passover to you all. Goodbye. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.